0: Good morning. Welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning. Here are today's top stories. Former President Trump accuses President Biden of election interference and tells the judge he understands he has his own agenda as his New York civil fraud trial wraps up.
0: Former President Trump beating Governor Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley not just in the polls, but in TV ratings. And what's Vivek Ramaswamy doing to back Trump in a pending Supreme Court decision?
1: US and British forces attack 60 targets at Iranian-backed Houthi locations. Hear about the Houthi's response.
0: Major shifts in the weather. A polar vortex could usher in the coldest air of the season next week. We have the details. All
1: eyes on Taiwan as it holds its presidential election on Saturday. We take a look at the challenges there, especially from the Chinese regime.
0: Rental car company Hertz plans to sell off a third of its electric vehicles to make way for gas cars. Why they're doing this and more with the host of NTD Business.
1: We take a look at a school teacher from Virginia who left the mainstream schooling system to start her own venture and it's had some great results.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn
0: Lee and Kevin Hogan. Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome and happy Friday. First of all, it's January 12th.
0: Yes, we hope you all have some really fun things planned for the weekend, but right now, the Middle East is a powder keg.
1: Yeah, that's right. It seems like the Houthi attacks this week really were was the last uh, last straw. But you know, now of course the world is just holding their its breath to see what will happen next.
0: Yeah, the U.S. and its allies launched attacks on 60 targets at 16 locations in Yemen. That is big stuff. And response to that is our developing story today.
1: That's right, tensions in the Middle East as Iran-backed Houthi forces claimed they launched revenge strikes today against U.S. and U.K. warships in the Red Sea.
0: A Houthi spokesperson says the attacks were in retaliation for an assault on targets in Yemen by Western allies. And today's Daniel Monahan has more on this developing story.
3: The Houthis warned the United States and Britain would face dire consequences for what they termed a blatant act of aggression. The U.S. and U.K. military carried out airstrikes against Iran-backed Houthi forces in Yemen on Thursday, with support from Australia, Canada, the Netherlands, and Bahrain. Pentagon Press Secretary Patrick Ryder says the strikes specifically targeted facilities that were known to have radars, missiles,
4: and UAV capabilities. We've conducted this significant multi-nation operation uh, in order to send a clear message to the Houthis. Uh, that the kinds of attacks that they've been conducting since November 19th, uh, 27 as of today, uh, will not be tolerated. Fighter jets can be seen
3: here, launching off into the inky blackness, on a mission to punish the Iran-backed group. President Biden said he ordered the strikes as retaliation for a series of escalating attacks by the Houthi rebels on U.S. and international maritime ships in the Red Sea, a crucial commercial shipping waterway.
4: We reserve the right to protect and defend our forces, to defend the global trade that transits through the Red Sea. A video released by Houthi-run
3: Al Masira TV allegedly shows the moment of the bombardment in Sanaa, Yemen. The dogs barking beneath a dark sky, a reminder that people are alike around the globe. They have pets, kids and birthday parties. Attacks by the Houthi group, which began in mid-November, have impacted the international commercial shipping of more than 50 countries. They have escalated in recent days to include the direct targeting of American ships. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: And continuing with the Middle East, Iran seized a tanker with Iraqi crew destined for Turkey yesterday.
0: Iranian state media said it was retaliation for the confiscation last year of the same vessel and its oil by the United States.
1: The Marshall Islands flagged St. Nicholas was seized by the United States last year in a sanctions enforcement operation. Following the move, Iran warned the U.S. that it would not go unanswered.
0: Armed intruders boarded the St. Nicholas as it sailed close to the Omani city of Sohar. Its tracking system was reportedly turned off as it headed toward an Iranian port. As the civilian death toll in the Gaza Strip continues to climb, Israel now finds itself facing charges of genocide. South Africa laid out its case before the International Court of Justice, saying Israel has violated the Genocide Convention. And today's Jason Perry has the update.
5: Screams were heard in Israel near its border with the Gaza Strip on Thursday. Family members of hostages yelled for their loved ones, hoping they could hear them.
6: Can you hear us? It's Etty and BRIT. We came the whole way to Gaza that you can hear us, that you will hear us.
5: And on the same day, people also shouted for the hostages in the Netherlands.
3: Break them up.
5: As they marched towards the International Court of Justice in The Hague, where Israel is being charged with genocide. And at the same time, pro-Palestinian protesters also marched towards the court, where they could watch the trial from outside.
7: I expect uh, the judges uh, to, to uh, order by law. And to call it what it is, it's a genocide against civilians in in Gaza.
5: And South Africa laid out its case. South Africa contends that Israel has transgressed Article 2 of the Convention by committing actions that fall within the definition of genocide.
2: Despite the horror of the genocide against the Palestinian people being live-streamed from Gaza to our mobile phones, Computers and television screens. The first genocide in history where its victims are broadcasting their own destruction in real time in the desperate, so far vain hope that the world might do something.
5: An Israeli spokesperson said this after the first day of the trial. They talked in a brief sentence about the October 7 massacre. They carried on to talk about Israel. They talked about the suffering in Gaza, and they never stopped to mention, even in one word, that there are 136 Israelis that are still held captive in Gaza by terrorists. This is a humanitarian catastrophe, almost 100 days. The International Court of Justice's decisions are final and binding. But the court has no way to enforce them.
0: Jason Perry, NTD News.
1: Israel is set to defend itself in the top United Nations court today.
0: In a statement yesterday, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, quote, we are fighting terrorists and we are fighting lies. He said that the hypocrisy, quote, screams to the high heavens. He asked where South Africa was when millions of people were being murdered and uprooted from their homes in Syria and Yemen.
1: Netanyahu declared that the world is upside down. He said Israel will continue to fight terrorists and continue to refute the lies until total
0: victory. U.S. State Department officials said yesterday that the genocide allegations against Israel are unfounded. Here's a State Department spokesman.
7: Uh, those who are violently attacking Israel who continue to openly call for Israel's annihilation and the mass uh, murder of Jews. Uh, genocide is one of the most heinous acts any entity or individual can commit, and such an allegation should only be made with the greatest of care. Uh, We have been clear uh, to Israel uh, that they not only must comply with international humanitarian law uh, in its operations against Hamas, but it needs to take all uh, feasible steps to prevent civilian harm.
1: The White House said yesterday that assistance for Ukraine has ground to a halt. Negotiations continue in Washington over an aid package that could be tied to border security measures.
0: Ukraine received more than $73 billion from its Western allies in 2022 and 2023. However, more than $110 billion in financing was delayed due to political disagreements in the European Union and the United States.
1: And as more aid is debated, a report from the Pentagon's inspector general says roughly $1 billion worth of military equipment wasn't properly tracked.
0: The inspector general says it can't confirm if the weapons in question were stolen or taken away from Ukrainian forces. So we're going to move on here. Former President Trump accuses President Biden of election interference as his New York civil fraud trial wraps up.
1: How will Iowa voters react to former President Trump's legal challenges? Will this give him an advantage in the state's caucuses next week? A policy analyst shares his insight.
0: Former President Trump beating Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, not just in the polls, but in TV ratings. How many people tuned in to the Trump town hall? And what's Vivek Ramaswamy doing to back Trump in a pending Supreme Court decision? And NTD's Iris Tower reports from Iowa.
1: And campaigns disrupted by extreme weather in Iowa, plus a polar vortex could usher in the coldest air of the season next week. Good to have you back. Former President Trump accused the judge in his New York civil fraud trial of having his own agenda in a short courtroom speech after closing arguments yesterday.
0: The day started off with a bomb threat at the judge's house. Authorities say nothing was found, it did not delay the trial, and the judge didn't mention it. And today's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more about the last day
8: of the trial. Security tightened around the closing arguments in former President Trump's New York civil fraud trial on Thursday after a reported bomb threat at Judge Arthur Engeren's home. Trump, on his way in, called the case an unconstitutional witch hunt and, quote, election interference at the highest level. It's
9: a disgrace. It's in coordination with the White House.
8: Trump's legal team and the Office of New York Attorney General Letitia James' closing arguments were followed by a request from Trump's attorney to allow Trump two to three minutes to make his case directly to the judge. Engeren asked if Trump would keep it to within matters related to the trial, to which Trump responded he thinks the case goes beyond that. No cameras were allowed inside the courtroom, but Trump is on the record telling the judge he did nothing wrong and that the case was a, quote, political witch hunt. Trump said he understands Engeren has his own agenda before the judge cut him off for a scheduled lunch break. A lawyer from James's office claims Trump's company issued false financial statements every year between 2011 and 2021. James, after wrapping up at the courthouse, said the case has never been about politics or a personal vendetta. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how rich you are,
10: that no one is above the law and that the law applies to all of us.
8: James is seeking nearly $370 million and a lifetime ban on Trump from the state's real estate industry.
10: I trust that justice will be done and I'm confident in that and I'm extremely proud of the case that we put on.
8: Trump afterwards accused President Biden of using the justice system to attack his top political opponent. He alleges it's now part of Biden's 2024 campaign strategy. The GOP frontrunner says he wants to attend all trials from now on.
9: The documents case, I just hear where they want to try and exonerate Biden, and he didn't have the Presidential Records Act, and I do. What I did, nothing wrong. What he did, a lot of people say, substantially wrong. Uh, You can't have two tiers of justice in this country. But no, I want to go to all of my trials.
8: Trump also addressed the issue of presidential immunity coming up in other cases, saying if a US president doesn't have immunity, he'll be totally ineffective and unable to do anything.
9: Because it will mean he'll be prosecuted, strongly prosecuted perhaps uh, as soon as he leaves office by his by the opposing party. So a president of the United States, I'm not talking just me, I'm talking any president has to have immunity.
8: Engarin has already found Trump and his co-defendants liable for fraud. State law doesn't allow for juries in this type of lawsuit. Trump has appealed that order and is almost certain to appeal any verdict against him. The trial was over the amount of money owed and six additional claims, including conspiracy, issuing false financial statements, falsifying business records, and insurance fraud. Trump's two sons, Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr., are among the defendants. Engarin asked state lawyers what evidence they had that Trump's sons knew of alleged fraud, stating he hasn't seen it. State lawyer Andrew Amer responded that as top executives, they both bear responsibility, even if claiming to be unaware of purported wrongdoing. Engren says he hopes to have a verdict by the end of the month. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News
1: campaigning can be demanding and so can legal battles.
8: Yeah, just ask
0: President Trump. I mean, he was in Iowa campaigning and then he was out in DC for that hearing on his presidential immunity, which by the way, he may or may not have a perfectly legit right to have immunity, but some are saying that his lawyers really fell flat on that argument there. And that's leading to a lot of skepticism for the judges. And then he's back in New York for a civil fraud case. And so we're gonna learn about this balancing act a little bit more with John Schweppe, the director of policy at the American Principles Project. Take a look.
11: Well, look, he's got a busy schedule, but uh, the thing that's going for him right now is that he is leading by a pretty big amount in the polls, and, and we'll see if that translates uh, at the Iowa caucus next Tuesday and then in New Hampshire after that. But, you know, ultimately what he's got to do is, is secure this primary, make sure that he's uh, in, a, in a dominant position going forward, handle the legal issues, and then uh, and look forward to uh, taking on Joe Biden in, in the, uh, the year to come up, up to November.
0: Yeah, and we see Trump with massive support here in Iowa, up about 30 points from the next contender, with very few events actually in the state, almost one of the least. And that's alongside you know him having to go to D.C. to go to that hearing to see if presidential immunity will get him off the hook, and then he's back in Iowa. So how do you think that Trump's going to actually mobilize his ground game here and get support?
11: Well, Look, I think he has an incumbency advantage. I mean, that's just the reality. Uh, He was the president for four years, and I think he's enjoying that among voters, that they see, hey, you know, let's give him another bite at the apple and and get him a second term. Uh, So I think that's a big part of this and why, you know, his rivals like Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are struggling on some level to really gain ground. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, the legal stuff, you know, it, it's been around for several months now, and the voters don't seem to care very much about it, at least Republican voters. Uh, they seem to see this as, as political uh, persecution, and ultimately, that's just making them more, uh, more wanting Trump to, to be the nominee.
0: Yeah, and so that possibly could backfire, giving more support to the former president who faces 91 criminal charges in a civil case uh, pertaining to his business operations in New York here. Do you think that this is going to actually translate into more support for him in the general election?
11: I think most Americans understand what's happening here and that, you know, a lot of politicians do corrupt things, but this is in particular a a, a political witch hunt, and, and certainly that's gonna be Trump's messaging as we go forward. And so, you know, it'll be a question of whether this is a deal breaker for them if they're really willing to, to vote for Joe Biden over him because of this. And certainly from what we've seen from polling and focus groups and all that here at American Principles Project, uh, I, I'm skeptical. I, I think ultimately, you know, people are going to vote based on how these politicians are going to affect them. And so it's going to be a, a contrast of Biden's four years versus Trump's four years. And, and Trump has an advantage there.
0: John Schweppe, Policy Director at the American Principles Project. Thank you.
11: Hey, thanks so much.
1: Meanwhile, Rhonda Sanders and Nikki Haley continue to clash after Wednesday's debate.
11: Meanwhile, former
0: President Trump is again showing his domination in the race by beating both of them in TV ratings in dueling events Wednesday night. Entity's Aris has more.
12: According to data shared with us by Fox News, Trump's town hall got nearly twice the viewership of the CNN debate between Governor Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, which was aired around the same time. Some 5.7 million people tuned into the town hall by Trump last night, while only 2.9 million people tuned into the CNN debate. And furthermore, Trump's town hall also got nearly 2 million more viewers than the DeSantis town hall, which was on Tuesday night. It also got 2. Seven million more viewers than a Nikki Haley town hall on Monday, so it's very clear to see that Trump's dominating in this race right here, at least in the amount of attention that he's getting. Meanwhile, also in the same line is a poll released by the Suffolk University showing that over 54% of voters right here in Iowa say that Trump is their first choice. But it's also notable that the same poll is also the first poll recently to find that Nikki Haley is gaining a clear lead over Governor Ron DeSantis, it shows that Nikki. Haley's polling at 20% while Governor Ron DeSantis only polling at 13%. Meanwhile, Vivek Ramaswamy, who is also holding events, was not qualified for the debate and told me that it's a fake debate because CNN was not taking into account some polls that would have made him qualified, he told me. And also, Ramaswamy filed an amicus brief to U.S. Supreme Court supporting Trump in the Colorado ruling to try to bar Trump from the ballast there. Vivek argued that Trump's political opponents are trying to bar him from the ballot because quote they cannot beat him in a free and fair election. Carrie Lake will also be here in Iowa campaigning for Trump and that's before Trump returns to Iowa this upcoming weekend for more rallies and events right before the caucus on Monday. Back to you.
1: Nikki Haley is canceling all three of her planned in person events today due to snow.
0: Oh, yeah, it could be a safety issue. And it's not just schools that get snow days. Apparently, campaigns do too. And talking about the snow, extreme cold weather hitting much of the U.S., from the northern plains of Montana to the Gulf Coast in Texas. Americans experiencing the coldest air of the winter so far. Here's the report.
13: Dubbed a polar vortex, freezing cold air from the Arctic region is bringing near blizzard conditions to Chicago, and it is expected to intensify in the Midwest in the coming days. The National Weather Service is showing a rapidly intensifying storm system over the Great Lakes region Friday into Saturday. Dozens, if not hundreds of daily temperature records could be broken during this cold snap, bringing much difficulty to travel. Chicago is forecasted to hit a low of minus 10 degrees on Monday. Kansas City minus 12, Denver minus 7, Des Moines minus 17. Other cities like Seattle will all see below freezing temperatures. Iowa already saw a few feet of snow this year, and it's bracing for another round. Residents were preparing to hunker down with an expected blizzard warning in effect from early Friday to Saturday morning. Despite the cold, some are still optimistic about a positive turnout for the caucus on Monday.
4: It's such an important caucus season this year. I expect a great turnout, but we just just never know. We we never know how much snow we're actually going to get tomorrow, and then it's going to get super cold Sunday and Monday.
13: But it is going to get colder here. The state of Iowa is expecting single-digit or below zero frigid temperatures during the Monday Iowa caucuses. On the east coast, strong winds and high waves pound the shore of Hampton Beach. High tide reached seaside roads in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, leaving behind sea foam on Wednesday. Drone footage showed vehicles driving through the accumulated foam in Ocean Boulevard, north of Hampton Beach State Park. Local authorities are advising people in the region to take precautionary measures when traveling in the coming days.
1: Stay safe, everyone, and a quick program alert update that you can look forward to here on NTD. NTD News will bring you live coverage of the 2024 Iowa caucuses next Monday.
0: Our dedicated reporters and esteemed expert panels will provide real-time updates and in-depth analysis. Join Steve Lance and Tiffany Meyer on The Nation Decides 2024 as we break down the action live on Monday, January 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time.
1: That's right, it's gonna be an historic night, so be sure to tune in.
0: And coming up, all eyes on Taiwan as it holds its presidential election tomorrow. We take a look at the challenges there, especially from the Chinese regime. Welcome back to NTD Good Morning. Taiwan's presidential election is tomorrow. A senior White House official has accused Communist China of meddling in the island's upcoming election. The State Department echoed that statement.
7: We've been uh, very clear about uh, the, our opposition to outside interference or malign influence in Taiwan's elections. Uh, we also have a deep confidence in Taiwan's democratic process and believe
0: uh, it is for Taiwan voters to uh, decide their next leader. On the condition of anonymity, the White House official said the Biden administration's foreign policy towards Taiwan will remain the same. That's regardless of which candidate is elected, and the White House is planning on sending an unofficial delegation to Taiwan after the election. For decades, the Chinese Communist Party sees the self-governed island as its own territory and has vowed to take it by force if necessary. That's despite never having ruled it.
1: Secretary of State Antony Blinken is set to meet with senior Chinese regime official Liu Jianchao in Washington today. Liu is the head of the Chinese Communist Party's international department. He once led the regime's so-called Operation Fox Hunt.
0: The U.S. has criticized the program as transnational repression being used to target Chinese dissidents. Tactics include pressure on families in mainland China and even kidnappings.
1: The Chinese regime says Taiwan is a red line and the most dangerous issue in U.S.-China relations and warns any move toward former indep- formal independence by Taiwan means conflict.
0: Washington has warned the Chinese Communist Party not to interfere in the island's elections. It says Beijing will be the instigator if it chooses to respond with more military pressure.
1: As mentioned, Taiwan is heading to the polls tomorrow in an election some call the choice between democracy and dictatorship. And just ahead of this, Taiwan has seen a spike in cyber attacks. We're bringing in retired Colonel John Mills to find out more about China's run the election. He's a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy and on the ground live in Taiwan. Good morning. It's really good to see you this morning. Tell me more about first, what's at stake for Taiwan? How do the people there see? See
14: this election. Well, uh, thank you, Evelyn. So yeah, this election, we got three main parties here, and I'm at the final rally for the Democratic uh, Progressive Party. That's uh, Lai Ching-Ti and uh, Xiao By kim You would call this, uh, this is Team Taiwan. This is the populist party. This is Make Taiwan Great Again Party. So we're at the rally. It is. Well, over 120,000, 150,000. People are excited. Uh, What's going on here? The legacy KMT, and that's Ho U E. He's trying to make this about if you vote for William Lye, it's a vote for war. If you vote for who uh, uh, in the KMT, it's a vote for peace. I think that's very disingenuous. It's very, very reminiscent of the 1984 Walter Mondale campaign. In fact, there was a, they, they put out a Council on Foreign Relations article about this, and it said exactly that. And they waved it around at the, the press conference. But as regards to cyber attacks, this was—we uh, had the Foreign Minister, uh uh Joseph Wu talked about this. The tip of the spear is you guessed it TikTok. TikTok. They allow right. TikTok here, but they're also very good at filtering TikTok, uh, which we should do a better job in the United States.
1: Right, and I want to touch on that later on. But first, let's take a step back really quick because it feels like there's a lot of global interest there in the Taiwan in Taiwan's election. So, what's the significance geopolitically, also for the Taiwan Strait and the U.S.? Let's start with the Taiwan Strait. What's the significance there? Yeah. Yeah.
14: Well, China obviously wants the KMT. The KMT has really evolved. It is really in China's pocket. But mo- much of the world's trade, when you talk about the Taiwan Straits, it's like 75% of the world's trade goes back and forth through those straits. Now, what China is trying to do is both a sea blockade, they actually consider that and actually uh, their zone and actually call out for ships to identify themselves as they transit the strait. If the KMT wins I would see a tightening of that activity but also they are running essentially a drone blockade an aerial drone blockade they're actually blockading now but that demonstrates a capability to actually uh, it's a military message it's a cognitive warfare message it's a safety of flight issue this is why Taiwan needs to be in the U.S. When organizations such as like civil airline organization because this is very dangerous running the this drone encirclement of Taiwan which includes the straits.
1: And as you mentioned, there there has been a flood of cyber attacks on Taiwan. So how is the Chinese Communist Party using these cyber attacks to their advantage during this election period?
14: Well, uh, we were, we've been at several briefings of the, uh, Central Election Commission. I believe the, the way they do it here, they really simplify. So I don't think they're going to be able to reach in and manipulate the, uh, the voting in any way. I don't, I don't think so. And I, I used to have, uh, I was a liaison with the Taiwan CERT. They're essentially computer emergency response teams. They're actually pretty good at securing their, their networks. The Chinese will try it. Uh, Now, one thing, talking about cyber, you have to include cryptocurrency, because the Chinese have been using cryptocurrency to pay off certain people. They've made almost 200 arrests so far for violating the anti-infiltration law that was passed in in December of 2019, and it prohibits anybody from uh, taking uh, uh, foreign money uh, uh, as part of an election. Uh, The TPP party, actually, their press secretary was arrested for taking uh, money through cryptocurrency. You have to really include that when you talk about cyber warfare. That's really part of the cyber warfare portfolio.
1: Well, thank you so much, John Mills, for bringing us this information this morning. I appreciate it.
14: Evelyn, thank you so much.
1: And Taiwan's defense ministry said today it detected five Chinese balloons flying over the Taiwan Strait in the past 24 hours, one of which crossed the island. It's the latest in a spate of such balloons the ministry says it has spotted over the past month.
0: The ministry this month accused China of threatening aviation safety and waging psychological warfare on the island's people with the balloons days before the elections on Saturday.
1: Switching gears here, armed forces in Ecuador moved yesterday against groups. The government has deemed terrorists as part of efforts to restore law and order.
0: Officials say two major gangs were dismantled as a result of security efforts.
1: Many firearms were seized and 14 people were arrested as part of the operations. Military and police were responding to a wave of violence and the detention of nearly 180 prison staff by inmates.
0: With the government pledging to wage war on crime games they blame for the unrest, the dramatic spike in violence appears to be a response to President Daniel Noboa's plans to tackle a dire security situation.
1: Up next, House Speaker Mike Johnson hitting road bumps to getting his spending deal across the finish line. Now the Senate is crafting a bill to kick the can down the road yet again.
0: Hunter Biden pleads not guilty in a Los Angeles court. What could he face if convicted on federal tax charges? Christina Corona in California.
1: Boeing faces mounting problems in the wake of last week's Alaska Airlines incident. We have the breaking news after the break.
0: Good to have you back. With a partial government shutdown looming just about a week from now, it's looking more likely that Congress may kick the can down the road yet again.
1: That's right. Republicans are demanding steeper cuts and border policy changes, while Democrats are unwilling to go back on a previous deal made with the White House. it is Melina Wisecup reports from Capitol Hill.
15: Next Friday is the first of two deadlines to fund the government before a shutdown kicks in. Nelson and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is setting into motion a bill to temporarily extend government funding, but it's unclear for how long.
16: Unfortunately, it has become crystal clear that it will take more than a week to finish the appropriations process.
15: Passing another continuing resolution is a position that House Speaker Mike Johnson originally opposed, but now he's softening on this as Republicans in both chambers are insisting on having changes at the southern border before funding the government. This week, those Republicans are doubling down on those fiscal and border demands.
8: Well, we're looking for the right legislation to move forward, not just any legislation. The
1: people I represent, they want us to cut spending, secure the border. That's what we need to do.
15: He's part of a group of house Republicans who are expressing strong discontent with their new speakers. $1.7 trillion spending deal with Senate leader Chuck Schumer. Johnson says that he doesn't have a choice here and he secured the wins that he could, such as rescinding billions of dollars in IRS funding. Now he's actively meeting with those frustrated Republicans and earlier squashed reports that he's considering backing out of that deal with Schumer. Let He's me not... tell you what's going on. We're, we're having uh, thoughtful conversations about funding options and priorities. I've made no commitments, so if you hear otherwise, it's just simply not Are true. All... It's not become very clear that Johnson is hitting the same roadblocks as his predecessor did in trying to work out a deal on this controversial spending issue as he works with a razor-thin majority in the House, persistent House Republicans, and Democrats controlling the Senate and the White House. Reporting from Capitol Hill, Melina Wisecup, NTD News.
0: HUNTER BIDEN PLEADED NOT GUILTY TO FEDERAL TAX CHARGES YESTERDAY IN CALIFORNIA. NTD's Christina Corona has the story.
6: HUNTER BIDEN MADE HIS FIRST COURT APPEARANCE TODAY HERE IN LOS ANGELES, WHERE HE IS FACING NINE FEDERAL TAX CHARGES. HUNTER BIDEN, THE SON OF PRESIDENT JOE BIDEN, ENTERED A PLEA OF NOT GUILTY IN RESPONSE TO CHARGES CONCERNING HIS FAILURE TO FILE AND PAY INCOME TAXES. The younger Biden failed to pay $1.4 million in taxes to the IRS. Hunter has been charged with four counts of failure to pay, two counts of failure to file, two counts of filing a false return, and a count of tax evasion. Instead, he allegedly used the money to fund an extravagant lifestyle that included drugs, escorts, luxury hotels and rental properties and exotic cars if convicted hunter could face an arrest warrant u.s district judge mark Scarcy said he's considering a june 20th trial date
1: first lady jill biden commented publicly on her steps on hunter biden in an interview released by msnbc yesterday
0: the first lady criticized the house investigation saying quote, i think what they are doing to hunter is cruel and i'm really proud of how hunter was Able, how Hunter has rebuilt his life after addiction.
1: And near tragedy in California, San Diego Bay, with a U.S. Navy chopper crashing yesterday.
0: The Navy says all six crew members on board are alive after being quickly rescued.
1: The Seahawk helicopter was on a training mission when it entered the water. A spokesperson says the Navy was training its newest recruits to
0: fly it. Due to the nature of the training, a safety boat was already at the scene. It was able to carry all six crew members to shore.
1: The Navy describes the MH-60R Seahawk helicopter as its most advanced rotary wing maritime strike platform.
0: The cause of the crash is being investigated.
1: The FAA says it's opening an investigation into Boeing's quality control. That's after the terrifying mid-f- mid-flight blowout of a door plug on an almost new Alaska Airlines plane.
0: And Boeing is facing a newly filed lawsuit over the incident.
1: The FAA says the blowout should have never happened and cannot happen again. The agency wants to know if Boeing was in compliance with FAA re- regulations. Boeing said yesterday it will cooperate fully with the investigation.
0: Meanwhile, in a breaking story, passengers from the Alaska Airlines flight filed a class-action suit against Boeing yesterday. The suit alleges the event physically injured some passengers and emotionally traumatized most, if not all, on board. The lawsuit is requesting a trial to determine damage amounts. Boeing has not yet commented on the lawsuit. Yeah, Boeing's going to have a lot to answer here.
1: Yeah, especially because it was an almost new plane.
0: Yeah, it can be really traumatizing.
1: That's right. We're switching gears, though, because sometimes to get something done the way we want it, we have to take matters into our own hands.
0: This has certainly been so for a teacher from Virginia. Left disillusioned with the public school system, she decided to start her own school and with great success. Let's take a look.
2: Danita Miskemin was a public school teacher for over 20 years. Despite excelling in her profession, she left the public school system in 2022. What really sparked her exit was seeing drag queens walking in the hallways where she taught.
10: Virginia had new legislation passed where children now were able to use the same bathroom, boys and girls could use the same bathroom, beginning in kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade the same locker room, if they went away on field trips um, and stayed overnight in a hotel, they could all use the same hotel room.
2: Then, shortly after leaving her last employer, she decided to start a school of her own, which she named the Little Red Schoolhouse. It stands on a plot of land outside Petersburg, Virginia. Apart from the classic schoolhouse look, it also follows the old fashioned school model where students learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. They also learn the Constitution and say the Pledge of Allegiance. It focuses on teaching things that children really need to learn. This puts them far ahead of other children in the public school system.
10: Awesome job. More than 50% of our students between third and eighth grades cannot pass. The reading standards of learning, which is our um, end-of-the-year test here in Virginia to show growth, and they cannot pass the mathematics portion, and that hit me hard.
2: The nearly two dozen children at the schoolhouse far surpass public school children of the same age academically.
10: Our first grader is reading on a third grade level. Our fourth grader is reading on a sixth grade level, so I am so impressed By the progress we've made here with the children, all thanks be to God, of course.
2: Danita's traditional approach to schooling also means no technology, which she says is yet another distraction children in public schools are faced with, as well as a strong emphasis on the Christian faith and reading the Bible.
10: We love everybody. We're not here to judge. We're here to live our lives as a light for God in a very dark community.
2: Danita says it's about changing the rhetoric and paving away way for a new society, a very inclusive society.
1: Okay, now we're actually heading to break. And when we come back, we have rental car company Hertz. It's planning on getting rid of a third of its electric vehicle fleet. We take a look at what this change means for you.
0: Two tech giants, Apple and Microsoft, vying for the position of top dog as Microsoft briefly passes Apple in valuation. We get the details from the host of NTD Business when we come back.
1: welcome back. Joining us now is NTD business host Don Ma. Welcome, Don. We're going to discuss rental firm Hertz dumping electric vehicles.
0: The company will sell off a third of its electric fleet. It's going to use the money to buy more gasoline-powered vehicles. So, Don, why is the company doing this?
17: Yeah, uh, Hertz is selling around 20,000 of its uh, EVs, and that's including Teslas. And this is a sign, uh, maybe potentially, that electric vehicle demand has cooled in the United States. Uh, This is actually in spite of the fact that it had previously planned to uh, convert its electric vehicle uh, fleet uh, to electric, a quarter of it actually by the end of this year. It's in spite of this. And the car rental company said on Thursday that uh, the reason is potentially EVs are just costing them too much. Mm. Uh, It's seeing headwinds from uh, higher expenses for EVs uh, with its Teslas particularly. So specifically, it's talking about higher expenses uh, related to collision and damage uh, the CEO said uh, that a uh, collision and damage repairs on an EV run about twice as much as that of a combustion engine vehicle uh, so not only is it costing more to repair it's actually getting in more uh, collisions uh, compared to uh, combustion engine vehicles getting in more crashes and at the same time uh, EV price declines uh, in in the overall market have pushed down Uh, the resale value of the EVs, those 20,000 or a third of them that they're going to sell. So uh, Hertz is is expected to to take a loss of about $245 million due to this depreciation of the EVs. Mm. Uh, And this is important because companies like Hertz, they sell a lot of uh, vehicles in the used car market, so depreciation has a big impact on their business so and this could be another another major factor when uh, it's deciding which cars to actually have in its fleet
1: yeah that's a very interesting point with the fast appreciating uh, resale value but yeah automakers have seen uh, revenue issues with uh, EV vehicles, but does Hertz's decision have any implications on the broader EV sector here?
17: Uh, sure. So, its decision underscores uh, the bumpy road that EVs may have hit. Uh, electric vehicle sales growth have slowed, uh, causing some uh, car makers, like, for example, General Motors or Ford, to actually scale back production plans when it comes to electric vehicle production. Uh, And these signs of a looming um, deceleration in the U.S. EV market actually appeared early last year. Uh, That's when Tesla sharply cut prices of its EVs and that's also putting pressure on other automakers. So some analysts uh, are saying that Hertz's move could be a sign that uh, EV expectations needs to be revised lower. And its CEO also said that going forward, Hertz will probably need to keep a closer eye on EV demand. And this will be both at dealerships and at its own operations. Uh, it's going to do, do this to decide whether the company should buy more vehicles or buy less going forward.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned how these cars are often sold later in the used car market. And there's not that big of a market for the used parts and everything, for the repairs and all that down the road, too. And even the Hertz CEO was saying that these EVs just end up in more crashes for some reason. But Don, I want to switch topics with you. Are the U.S. and U.K. strikes on the Houthis impacting oil prices?
17: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of questions there. Uh, Oil prices actually rose more than 2.5 percent today as the U.S. and Britain carried out air and sea strikes on Houthi military targets in Yemen. Uh, And that was in response to the attacks by the Iran-backed group on shipping in the Red Sea. The strikes Added to market concerns about the possible impact of a wider conflict in in the Middle East uh, would have on uh, regional oil supplies. And this is especially uh, those going through the critical strait of Hormuz.
1: So another topic change here quickly. So what's going on with Microsoft and Apple's fight for number
10: one?
17: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty important uh, from yesterday. Microsoft briefly overtook Apple as the world's most valuable company uh, yesterday. It was briefly worth $2.9 trillion dollars. Edging out Apple, but closed yesterday valued at $2.86 trillion. Apple closed today slightly above that. Microsoft and Apple have jostled for the top spot over the years. Apple shares have fallen 3.3% so far in January. Microsoft shares have risen 1.8% in the same period. Apple's recent weakness uh, relates to a series of rating downgrades, uh, causing worry that iPhone sales would stay weak, especially in major markets uh, like China, for example. And the iPhone uh, is Apple's biggest moneymaker. So a little bit of concern there.
0: Yeah, and they're really neck and neck. Yeah,
1: tight sure. battle, it seems. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's see who uh, comes out on top. Yeah. Entity Our- business host Don Ma, thank you so much. Thank you.
1: We're going to head to a one-minute break. We'll be right back, so stick with us.
2: There are real consequences to controlled media. And NTD's founders know them firsthand. Our freedom of thought is the price. This is the lesson that guides us in everything we do.
8: So there's the tear
2: gas there. We know the value of a free society. And we take seriously the responsibility to preserve it. We are NTD.
0: Good morning, welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning, here are today's top stories. The Houthis warned the United States and Britain that they will face dire consequences following airstrikes as tensions in the Middle East heat up.
0: Israel defends itself against accusations of genocide, calling it a blood libel by South Africa. More on Israel defense today in international court.
1: Former President Trump's civil fraud trial is done, so was there any fraud? We hear some legal insights into this question and what's to come in the saga.
0: Americans brace for the extreme cold as Arctic air blows through the Midwest. We take a look at some of the sub-zero temperatures expected to hit cities.
1: And Taiwanese voters will elect a new president this weekend under threat of invasion from the Chinese regime.
0: More takeaways from this year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. With a main focus on AI, some of these gadgets promise to leave you amazed.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan.
0: Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome. Today is Friday, January 12th. In today's top news, U.S. and coalition forces struck over 60 targets at 16 Iranian-backed Houthi locations in Yemen last night. Tensions in the Middle East are rising as Houthi forces claim to have launched revenge strikes in the Red Sea against U.S. and U.K. warships.
0: A Houthi spokesman says the attacks were in retaliation for the assault by Western allies. today's Daniel Monaghan has more on the developing story.
3: The Houthis warned the United States and Britain would face dire consequences for what they termed a blatant act of aggression. The US and UK military carried out airstrikes against Iran-backed Houthi forces in Yemen on Thursday. With support from Australia, Canada, the Netherlands and Bahrain. Pentagon Press Secretary Patrick Ryder says the strike specifically targeted facilities that were known to have radars,
4: missiles, and UAV capabilities. We've conducted this significant multi-nation operation uh, in order to send a clear message to the Houthis uh, that the kinds of attacks that they've been conducting since November 19th, uh, 27 as of today, uh, will not be tolerated. Fighter jets
3: can be seen here launching off into the inky blackness on a mission to punish the Iran-backed group. President Biden said he ordered the strikes as retaliation for a series of escalating attacks by the Houthi rebels on U.S. and international maritime ships in the Red Sea, a crucial commercial
4: shipping waterway. We reserve the right to protect and defend our forces, to defend the global trade that transits through the Red Sea. A video released
3: by Houthi-run Al Masira TV allegedly shows the moment of the bombardment in Sanaa, Yemen. The dogs barking beneath a dark sky, a reminder that people are alike around the globe. They have pets, kids, and birthday parties. Attacks by the Houthi group, which began in mid-November, have impacted the international commercial shipping of more than 50 countries. They have escalated in recent days to include the direct targeting of American ships. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: As civilian deaths in Gaza continue to climb, Israel is now defending itself in the top United Nations court against accusations of genocide.
0: Israel, in today's hearing, shared evidence of atrocities committed by Hamas terrorists on October 7th, arguing if genocidal acts were committed, It has been against Israel.
1: Israeli spokesperson Tal Becker said it's impossible to understand the armed conflict in Gaza without appreciating the nature of the threat Israel is facing. He stressed that Israel knows that doesn't justify violations of the law in response. Israel says it has no intent on destroying the Palestinians in Gaza.
0: Becker argued the measures requested by South Africa would deny Israel its ability to meet its obligations to the defense of its citizens and the hostages and displaced Israelis unable to safely return home. He also stated the request should be dismissed as libel and said it's designed to deny Israel the right to defend itself. Here's Israel's lawyer in court today. The entirety of its case
5: hinges on a deliberately curated, decontextualized, and manipulative description of the reality of current hostilities. If the term genocide can be so diminished in the way that it advocates, if provisional measures can be triggered in the way that it suggests, the Convention becomes an aggressor's charter. It will reward, indeed encourage, the terrorists who hide behind civilians, at the expense of the states seeking to defend against them.
1: The International Court of Justice's decisions are final and binding, but the court has no way to enforce them.
0: In a statement yesterday, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, quote, we are fighting terrorists and we are fighting lies. He said that the hypocrisy, quote, screams to the high heavens. He asked where South Africa was when millions of people were being murdered and uprooted from their homes in Syria and Yemen.
1: Netanyahu declared that the world is upside down. He said Israel will continue to fight terrorists and continue to refute the lies until total victory.
0: U.S. State Department officials said yesterday that the genocide allegations against Israel are unfounded and that such allegations should only be made with the greatest of care.
1: Switching gears to former President Trump accused the judge in his New York civil fraud trial of having his own agenda in a short courtroom speech after closing arguments yesterday.
0: The day started off with a bomb threat at the judge's house. Authorities say nothing was found, it did not delay the trial, and the judge didn't mention it. And today's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more about the last day of
8: the trial. Security tightened around the closing arguments in former President Trump's New York civil fraud trial on Thursday after a reported bomb threat at Judge Arthur Engerin's home. Trump, on his way in, called the case an unconstitutional witch hunt and, quote, election interference at the highest level. Trump's legal team and the Office of New York Attorney General Letitia James' closing arguments were followed by a request from Trump's attorney to allow Trump two to three minutes to make his case directly to the judge and asked if Trump would keep it to within matters related to the trial, to which Trump responded he thinks the case goes beyond that. No cameras were allowed inside the courtroom, but Trump is on the record telling the judge he did nothing wrong and that the case was a, quote, political witch hunt. James is seeking nearly $370 million and a lifetime ban on Trump from the state's real estate industry. I trust that justice
10: will be done, and I'm confident in that, and I'm extremely proud
8: of the case that we put on. Trump afterwards accused President Biden of using the justice system to attack his top political opponent. He alleges it's now part of Biden's 2024 campaign strategy. The GOP frontrunner says he wants to attend all trials from now on. The
9: documents case, I just hear where they want to try and exonerate Biden, and he didn't have the Presidential Records Act, and I do. What I did, nothing wrong. What he did, a lot of people say, substantially wrong. Uh, you can't have two tiers of justice in this country. But no, I want to go to all of my trials.
8: Trump also addressed the issue of presidential immunity coming up in other cases, saying if a U.S. president doesn't have immunity, he'll be totally ineffective and unable to do anything.
9: Because it will mean he'll be prosecuted, strongly prosecuted perhaps, uh, as soon as he leaves office by, his, by the opposing party. So a president of the United States, I'm not talking just me, I'm talking any president has to have immunity.
8: Engeren has already found Trump and his co-defendants liable for fraud. Trump's two sons, Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr., are among the defendants. Engeren says he hopes to have a verdict by the end of the month. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: And here with some analysis on Trump's closing statement and a civil fraud trial overall is Hans von Spakovsky, a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Hans, thank you for your time this morning.
18: Sure thing, Gavin.
0: So in Trump's closing statements, he turned it around and said that this whole trial is a fraud on him. Did he have the right to say what he said there, or was that an act of defiance to the judge?
18: Well, he was defying the judge, but the judge was denying uh, Trump basic due process rights and trying to restrict what he could say in, in that closing statement. Um, that, this judge has done that throughout the case. Uh, you know, the judge told Trump that he couldn't speak unless he did not critique the prosecutor's office, the state attorney general, the judge. Uh, The judge doesn't have a right to make those kind of limitations on Trump and Trump had every right to do that. That is just another sign of the bias shown by this judge throughout the case.
0: Right, and I will point out that Eli Bartov, an accounting professor from NYU, found that there was no evidence whatsoever of accounting fraud. And then the judge said, well, you can get anyone to say anything no matter how much you pay them. And that was $900,000 payment, which Bartov said that that's just his going rate. So there's an interesting point there. But now, did we hear anything from the underwriters in this case who are responsible for doing their own due diligence in connection with these loan terms? What do they say?
18: Uh, No, in fact, look, that's the whole problem with this case is Uh, there were there were no and have been no victims all of the companies that lent money uh... to donald trump and the trump organization their loans were repaid and they made profits on them and none of them have complained none of the underwriters have said that there was any kind of issue that shows i think that this really is a political persecution and and keep this in mind under the seventh amendment to the u.s. constitution any kind of civil case like this you you have a right to a jury unfortunately the seventh amendment doesn't apply to the states and it's just unconscionable to me that in this case uh because of this law in new york you're not entitled to a jury so you have one judge who by the way uh, i think as you mentioned (laughs) found that uh, the Trump Organization was guilty before the trial even started. Uh, I, I think this is a travesty of justice and whatever you may think about Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, uh, this is not the way that the American legal system is supposed to work.
0: Okay Hans, and you may have touched on this, but just for the record, did you see now that all the cards have fallen, any evidence of fraud in this whole trial?
18: No. I mean, there, there, were, there was some indication, and, and Trump's lawyers admitted this in the closing statement, that some of his assets may have been overvalued, but he pointed out that there were many other assets uh, that were undervalued. And again, in any kind of fraud case, you are supposed to show that someone was injured. Under this very bizarre law in New York, you don't have to show any injury by anyone, and really, this law is designed to give the state the ability to confiscate the wealth of successful individuals. And that's apparently what's going on here, because like I said, no one suffered any financial injuries.
0: Right, and just going back to what Bartov, the professor, the expert witness said, he didn't say that all these documents were were accurate in every respect. He was just saying that there was no evidence of concealment or forgery. So just in 10 seconds here, Hans, what's next?
18: Well, this judge is clearly going to find against the president. Uh, He's then going to have to get his remedy in the appeals courts. And i got to tell you, this might end up before the U.S. Supreme Court if the state courts all rule against Trump.
0: Okay, Hans von Spakovsky, Senior Legal Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, thank you for your time. Sir, thanks for having me.
1: And campaigns disrupted by extreme weather in Iowa. Nikki Haley is canceling all three of her planned in-person events today because of snow.
0: Yeah, serious stuff. And talking about snow, extreme cold weather is hitting much of the U.S., from the northern plains of Montana to the Gulf Coast in Texas. Americans experiencing the coldest air of the winter so far. Here's more.
13: Dubbed a polar vortex, Freezing cold air from the Arctic region is bringing near-blizzard conditions to Chicago, and it is expected to intensify in the Midwest in the coming days. The National Weather Service is showing a rapidly intensifying storm system over the Great Lakes region Friday into Saturday. Dozens, if not hundreds, of daily temperature records could be broken during this cold snap, bringing much difficulty to travel. Chicago is forecasted to hit a low of minus 10 degrees on Monday, Kansas City minus 12, Denver minus seven, Des Moines, minus 17. Other cities, like Seattle, will all see below freezing temperatures. Iowa already saw a few feet of snow this year, and it's bracing for another round. Residents were preparing to hunker down with an expected blizzard warning in effect from early Friday to Saturday morning. Despite the cold, some are still optimistic about a positive turnout for the caucus on Monday.
4: It's such an important caucus season this year. I expect a great turnout, but we just just never know. we never know how much snow we're actually going to actually get tomorrow, and then it's going to get super cold Sunday on Monday.
13: But it is going to get colder here. The state of Iowa is expecting single-digit or below zero frigid temperatures during the Monday Iowa caucuses. On the east coast, strong winds and high waves pound the shore of Hampton Beach. High tide reached seaside roads in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, leaving behind sea foam on Wednesday. Drone footage showed vehicles driving through the accumulated foam in Ocean Boulevard north of Hampton Beach State Park. Local authorities are advising people in the region to take precautionary measures when traveling in the coming days.
0: Coming up, Taiwanese voters will elect a new president this weekend under threat of invasion from the Chinese regime.
1: And more takeaways from this year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas with a main focus on AI. Some of these gadgets promise to leave you amazed. Welcome back. Voters in Taiwan will head to the polls on January 13th to choose their new president.
0: This is no ordinary election, though, as the Chinese Communist Party has been signaling its intent to invade Taiwan for some time.
1: And this will certainly be on people's minds as they cast their votes, especially after the CCP's crackdown on pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong.
0: Remember that, millions of people marching in the streets protesting. And at the same time, Taiwan's election could have international ramifications, with tensions between the U.S. and Beijing only increasing.
13: Voters in Taiwan are heading to the polls this weekend to choose their new president. This election may be especially important. The CCP in Beijing has been increasing pressure on Taiwan for the last year and a half, conducting major war games and firing missiles into waters off the island. This election's forerunner, Lai Ching-te of the ruling Democratic Progressive Party, or DPP. He has urged voters not to be swayed by the Chinese regime's threats, while offering talks with the CCP and pledging not to upset the status quo. But some voters would prefer a harder stance.
8: There are so many people living on this island. Our direction has to be even more firm. To say that it is us who are inhabiting this island, and whoever wants to come and assault this island will face our resistance.
12: I really hope that the candidate who can lead Taiwan to be a normalized country can be chosen.
8: I think no matter who we vote for, there isn't likely going to be a war anytime soon. This is my feeling. International policy analyst Stephen Tan believes domestic
13: policies are crucial to Taiwan's stance in the global landscape. This is an election
14: to uphold our own identity, to preserve what we have, and to try to improve uh, in the next
13: year or years. Meanwhile, the U.S. is watching the election closely. The White House believes that the result of this election could send ripples through the international community. In a meeting last month, the Chinese regime leader told President Joe Biden that Taiwan was the most dangerous issue between Beijing and Washington. Retired General Robert Spalding is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. He spoke about fears that the CCP might try to influence the Taiwanese election.
4: You know, their goal is really to uh, reunify the country through subversion, basically influence the population to give up its freedoms and join the Communist Party as essentially the slaves of, uh, of the Communist Party. But I think, you know, that's not going to happen. I don't see that happening anytime soon with the Taiwanese people.
13: Taiwan's next president-elect will take office on May 20th. The upcoming months will likely be crucial for Taiwan and the rest of the world.
1: CCP leader Xi Jinping is carrying out a purge of the military and facing economic problems of his own.
0: How he reacts to the election outcome will be key.
1: Switching gears to something more light, as the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas is drawing to a close, we have some more interesting products coming out of the event.
0: Yes, these include a new smartphone accessory, smart shoes, and a device that helps people with voice disabilities. Here's entities Kostem and with the conclusion of this year's event.
15: <laughs> more
16: gadgets are making a splash at CES 2024 including Qliks Technologies' iPhone keyboard, which adds a keyboard to a touchscreen mobile phone.
11: We've probably got three core audiences. We've got people that um, have dexterity or accessibility issues and want something that they can, you know, tangible, something that they can feel and the sensation of actually typing on a keyboard. We've got a creator community, so sort of the younger generation that want to stand out from the crowd they want to have something that looks different from everybody else and also there is you know a, a lot of people that have been used keyboard devices previously and want to part back to using a keyboard now on an iphone
16: also at the event texas based shift robotics is demonstrating smart shoes the new tech helps wearers walk up to three times faster
14: Moonwalker is basically a walking augmentation device. It enables you to walk at the speed of the run. The sensation is very similar to walking on the people uh, moving walkway, those you see at the airport. So the faster you walk the faster they go with you. The slower you walk, they slow down with you. They all synchronize with the walking pace you have. Yeah.
16: The Moonwalker's X smart shoes are specifically designed for business and commercial use. Particularly useful for those who do a lot of walking in their work, such as logistics and warehouse workers. Dutch startup Wisp is using artificial intelligence to help people with speech disabilities by converting whispered and affected speech into a person's natural voice.
11: RISP develops real-time assistive voice technology that converts whispered speech and affected speech into a clear and natural voice of the person in real time. And with our phone calling app, you can make phone calls with the RISP technology.
16: A new wireless TV could be the future of viewing technology. It sticks to any flat surface. No hardware, no adhesives, no installation. That's the basis for this place, explains presenter Aaron Kirsch during a demonstration.
3: In about five seconds, you're going to hear that chime. There's the chime, and there's your TV.
16: Food technology has also made advances. Whether it's ramen on the go, an indoor food smoker, a smart grill, or it involves brewing your own beer, it's all happening at CES. And this next-generation ice cream machine lets you enjoy a tasty treat in just two minutes, with no cleanup required. CES has now been renamed the annual Las Vegas Technology Show. It will run until January 12th. Cost MNS, NTD News.
1: I love these updates yeah. i really do and i can i just say really quickly that this the first product really caught me off guard seems like we're going back to the future with those keyboards bringing them back
0: oh yeah <laughs> they got a lot of novel ideas here smart shoes i can safely say we are now living in the future
1: that's right <laughs>
0: <laughs> got our own little conveyor belt under us
1: yeah uh, I'm excited for those too because honestly it's pretty satisfying to be on those, you know, flat escalators at the airport. I don't know how you feel about them.
0: What's next I like though? Them. I mean, are we <laughs> going to have jetpacks like the Jetsons?
1: I'm sure, that, yeah, I think I've heard somebody say that before as well. So no limits there. All right, we have to wrap up our show now, but we'll keep you updated with the latest information. Stay tuned for our News Today broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn
0: Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.